It's time for episode 512 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, July 19th, 2023. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where four's company and three's a booking mistake. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, my good friend, my dungeon buddy, because we play Dungeons and Dragons online together. It's Dan the Man Morin. Hello, Dan. Hello, Micah. I Three is the panic I have every week when I'm like, do I have enough guests? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, a, it's a, a very scary number for us. Four, four, like four, it. four. All good. Four, four. Four's lucky, three bad luck. <laughs> well, speaking of four, uh, I will introduce the first of the two that adds up to four. <laughs> it is an individual from Auckland, New Zealand, uh, a university lecturer, lecturer in public policy and technology, and also a podcaster on the incomparable network uh, for their debut on this show. It is Sarah Bickerton. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Yay! I just like being here for episode 512 Pixels, Michael. Oh, that's a good <laughs> point. Uh, we should have, should have invited Stephen. Tough yeah, I was luck, about to, Stephen I was, Hackett. <laughs> I was almost expecting Stephen Hackett to like magically appear out of a cake or something. <laughs> he should have sponsored us if he wanted to be on the show. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> to my left this week, it is a YouTuber extraordinaire, Christopher Lolly. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me. And, and your sponsorship check is in the mail. So th- thank you. All right, let us get into the show. You know how it works. Four topics, 30 minutes. Mine for you is this. What sites, apps, and services are typically included in your online research process? Sarah, we'll start with you. Well, um, for literature analysis, I um, mostly use the University Libraries Journal Search, and then I use the likes of PDF Expert on my iPad Mini with an Apple Pencil to highlight text in the specific uh, PDF and make notes on it. I then boringly use a bibliographic software called EndNote. Um, I type notes into an entry for an article. I attach keywords. Um, and then when I finish marking up the PDF um, and it syncs across over iCloud onto my Mac, um, I attach the marked up PDF into that entry in EndNote. So I have everything in one place. For non-academic literature, I save everything into good links. Um, the read it, the read it later service, and um, create a PDF of of that, and then use the same process. My girlfriend is, however, recommending that I start using Monday dot com to track and manage different research and publication projects. And what I like, what I've seen of it so far, I kind of like it. I. I don't really have a great answer. It depends what I'm researching, right? Like mm-hmm. there are certain things, you know, if I'm looking at um, like technology stuff, uh, oftentimes I do have to look up stuff for like historical details and whatever. So, you know, Wikipedia, obviously good general purpose resource. It was a really good site recently. I found that I had uh, a bunch of Apple keynotes going back many, many years, including Ooh. I think searchable transcripts, which was very helpful for me when I was trying to track down like when was this feature introduced or when did Steve Jobs say this in a keynote? And so I found that really useful Reddit is a very useful resource when it comes to like troubleshooting research because it is tends to be a high quality forum of places where people write like, hey, I've ran into this problem um, and here's how I solved it. Programming 
uh, stack overflow and sort of the ser- the services like that are great for like I'm trying to teach myself how to do something in Python and I'm getting an error so I plug that error into Google and then I get like a re- like a thread of people like saying oh, I got this error and people show them how to fix it also a great resource um so, you know, it really does highly depend for me. I mean, I, I think in most cases it starts with Google because, you know, that's still, uh, even if I think it has gotten a bit worse, it's still sort of the de facto way to search the web. Um, and then, I don't know, his, like when I'm doing writing stuff, you know, fiction or whatever, I still probably, you know, rely on Google and Wikipedia as a starting point and then sort of branch out from there, oftentimes using like the footnotes on a Wikipedia page and stuff to find other sources. Um, I do like using library sources. I just, I often don't do it because it's a little more, um, over, not just quite overwhelming, but like, I don't always want to read a book on an entire subject. (laughs) So, you know, that's great if I want to get a deep dive, but like for a sort of a top level thing, I feel like Wikipedia is a great place to start. Chris, what about you? Because of what I do and on my channel, I cover a lot of apps and stuff like that. I use the App Store. Uh, surprise, surprise. But the, specifically the part of the App Store, if you go into an app, so uh, I'm going to use the Task Manager Things 3, for example. If you go to that page and scroll down to the bottom, there is a section for apps related to it. And it could be other task managers or project managers or stuff like that. And you can just follow that rabbit hole down, down, down. And I have found a lot of really good apps that way. Usually when I find an app or article or something on Reddit or something that I kind of want to explore a little more, I've been storing links to all that stuff in the Notes app right now. Uh, Notes is really great for, you know, giving you kind of like a rich card-based linking system, which looks really nice, but also the quick note feature, which is built into uh, iPadOS, iOS, and macOS, uh, allows you to link uh, websites really quickly from just hitting a, a keyboard shortcut, Globe Q, and you can just add a link to that note right there. Super handy. But you can also take it a step further and in if you're on a Safari page, you can highlight some text, create a highlight, and build a new quick note out of that. So that way, whenever you are in notes and in that specific note that you that quick note that you created, and you click the link to whatever you highlighted, it jumps to that page in Safari Ooh. and has that text highlighted Ooh. right there, which is really handy. I, I use handy. that a lot. So yeah, those are those are kind of my the the brief ones. I I could honestly I could spend thirty minutes on this question. So, but I'm, I'm trying to keep it brief. Um, I do use Google as a means of of starting my research. I will also use Reddit as a means of of getting into it, Stack Overflow, all that kind of stuff. Um, but what I try to do, depending on the research that I'm doing, is go as close to the bare metal as I possibly can. So if it has something to do with uh, an Apple you know, feature that I'm going to go to Apple's support pages. If it has something to do with an app, I'm going to try to find that answer in the app store itself. Um, And I find that oftentimes not taking shortcuts of just doing a general search has been uh, helpful to me. All right. Thank you all for your answers on that. Let us go to our next topic, which comes from Sarah. Given the new semester has just started here in the Southern Hemisphere, and I think the American one or the Northern Hemisphere one's not too far off, I wanted uh, you to think about the tech setup you had in university or college and how that might have influenced what you have or do now. I had a desktop 
in college for most of my time uh, was a Performa my first year of college and then a Power Mac G3 throughout the rest of college. And then I, about halfway through college, when I studied abroad in Scotland, I got a Power Mac, a Power Book to take with me. So having that dual lifestyle, I think I actually have always gravitated back towards that. There were periods in my life where I stuck with like only a laptop as my only machine. But as long as I've been able to have both a desktop and a laptop, I have done so because they're good for different things. Um, And it's really helped me in terms of my setup uh, for things like it's beta season and I'm running the betas, something we'll talk about a little later. Um, And it's good to have a computer I can leave on the current version of Mac OS while I test something on my machine running on the beta, but also so I have a machine that's stable enough I can record from. Um, So I I do think we get stuck in our ways. Um, You know, I think that is a big part of why I still live that two computer lifestyle as I got really used to it at the time. Um, you know, and everything's gotten faster and smaller and, and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I still have that zip drive I use every day. No, I don't know. <laughs> oh, zip drives. Zip drives. We hardly knew amazing. you. Yeah. <laughs> zip drives were so amazing at the time. You're like, a floppy disk that can store 100 megabytes? <laughs> what kind of madness is this? Um, Chris, what about you? Yeah, so college for me, I had a 2009 MacBook Pro 15-inch, and that thing was great. That was actually my very first Mac that I owned. Not the first Mac I used, uh, but the first Mac I owned, and definitely started me down the path of like getting really into Apple and Apple computers, and put me on the path that I am now, where I have a YouTube channel where I talk about mostly the iPad. Uh, but when I started college, the iPad was not out yet. Uh, so, uh, but you know, now I talk about Apple hardware and all that stuff. So I would say the, the, the computer I had then definitely influenced what I do now, though I did not finish college because I was going and did not enjoy it at all. Uh, the computer had more influence on my future career than uh, actually going to college. <laughs> uh, Chris, your answer um, is a lot like mine in that I also, the first uh, Mac that I owned was one that I got for college. So uh, I was in a, the journalism program and the sort of recommendations for stuff that you needed to be in the program. One of those things was a um, Mac. And so that was the first time that uh, I got to own and I had a MacBook Pro 15 inch MacBook Pro. Um, And I loved that thing. And you know, I had up to that point had always wanted to own a Mac and have an iPhone and all that stuff. But uh, growing up did not have anywhere near enough the money to be able to do that. So I had a Dell uh, laptop that I had like skinned to look like Mac OS for, for several years. Uh, and then just took one of those Apple stickers and put it on the back over the Dell logo. Um, but yes, in college, I, you know, made the, the true shift and also uh, that was the first time that I'd gotten an iPhone as well. The journalism program where I went had a section called strategic communication. And so that was the program that I was doing for uh, advertising. That's what I wanted to go into was advertising. And during that time, I ended up making the shift into consumer tech journalism and journalism as a whole. So yeah, I would say that um, the technology definitely uh, made me excited about 
continuing to, you know, try out new products from Apple. And because of that, that excitement was there. And I, you know, continued to pursue a career in that field. Sarah, why don't you round us out? As an undergraduate for uh, like, first off, I want to say that Micah and Chris, you guys are way too young. I'm just saying that, right? <laughs> just right. Yeah. It's just like, I'm way- working on it. I'm working oh, on God. it. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm bond with you, Dan, on this. Um, right. But yeah, I was an undergraduate in the mid to late 90s. Um, I had like a Toshiba PC laptop, the kind with the wee nubbin in the center of the keyboard mm. as a pointing device. Um, I even had a PC MTIA card that was like a 28.8K modem. Um, and goodness, was that a chonky boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I carry, like, God knows why, but I carried that around campus in my backpack and I can't believe it as it weighed like, the, it was like the t- Titanic of laptops. Um, when I moved to Chicago in the US for grad school in the start of the 2000s, um, um, after using desktop for a bit, I got myself a G4 iBook. You know the the white one, um, mm-hmm. but and Those but I nice. haven't. Oh, they were lovely. Uh, although I I secretly wanted the original iBook. You know the little <laughs> clamshell one and the multiple colors. But I never I, I wasn't able to get that one in time. Um, but I haven't looked back from the Mac train ever since. Um, the major thing I do nowadays, where I think about my tech setup from back in those days, is that I am I, I think positively evangelical about backups. Um, I remember um, I had like 3 million floppies alongside my Toshiba laptop um, in my backpack because like I kept multiple copies on the machine and floppies and then, but floppies die if you look at them sideways. (laughs) And um, so now I have like, I have multiple redundant backup services offsite, onsite. I have all my devices synced together. So I have multiple copies. I feel like I have trauma from that era. And I'm still dealing with it today. All right. Well, while you continue to process that trauma, we will take a quick break because it is halftime here at Clockwise. And I want to remind everybody that they should go to clockwise.social slash shirt, clockwise.social slash shirt, where they will be redirected to a wonderful page uh, to purchase a clockwise tee, a clockwise sweatshirt, a clockwise tank, or a clockwise onesie. Yes, we've got them all. Uh, You'll have a beautiful clockwise shirt in multiple color options. Uh, Dan and I were just sporting our clockwise shirts this past week, and uh, you could be out there too sporting yours. And thank you. Uh, We've had a few listeners reach out and share a photo of themselves wearing their clockwise tees. It is an awesome thing to see, and we appreciate the support. So head to clockwise.social slash shirt to get your clockwise tea and help support the show. All right, we are back from halftime, and that means it's time for Dan's topic. We all like to go places and get places on time in a quick, efficient manner. So my question for you is map software. Are you a Google Maps diehard? Have you tried Apple Maps lately? Maybe you use Waze or I don't know, maybe New Zealand has like a really different mapping software I'm not aware of. So I'm just curious. What are your thoughts on mapping software? Chris? 
a few years ago, and I can't remember which OS update it was, but Apple kind of basically committed to relaunching maps and improving maps. And of course, they started with California, where I'm at. So ever since then, I've actually been using Apple Maps, and I can't for the life of me remember what OS update that was. But uh, I've been using it, and it works really well. It works amazing for me. Used it to get to WWDC, and I got there just fine. Uh, my new car has CarPlay built into it, so I have Apple Maps right there. Uh, yeah, Apple Maps has been really solid for me. Uh, I haven't looked back, haven't needed Google Maps in a long time. I've never been a big Waze person. I, I see the benefit of it, uh, but I've just just never quite clicked for me. Apple Maps just works, gets the job done. So there's one specific uh, reason that I use Waze in a very specific case. Uh, Waze has this really great feature that I think is better than other apps that try to do a similar thing, which is um, planning for a future uh, bit of travel. So let's use WWDC as an example. I knew that I needed to be at WWDC uh, at the event at a specific time. So I went the day before into Waze or maybe even a couple of days before, and I did what is called a planned trip. And so you say, uh, on this day, I want to go to this location, and then you can look on the map and see uh, different times, and it shows the traffic, the estimated traffic at that time based on the data that Waze has. And so then you uh, can change it and say, I want to leave, or I want, you, you choose your arrival time. I want to get there by 8.30, for example, and it will tell you what time you should leave based on the, uh, what it knows about the traffic at that time. Um, so what I'll do is I'll go into Waze, I'll temporarily give it location access because Waze is thirsty as heck and will like always have your location going and running down your battery. Um, and I will get, get that time and then use that in my calendar entry. And then I take away Waze's location permission, force quit the app, and I go away from that. And then I use Apple Maps to get anywhere that I need to. Um, Recently, I had to use Google Maps because there was a special location uh, that someone had given me that they had sort of put into the app. And um, I was able to use it with CarPlay, which I thought was kind of neat, but I missed my Apple Maps the whole time. So yeah, I am just an Apple Maps person uh, through and through and have been for years, even back in the day when it was um, still a bit of a problem child. Uh, Sarah, what about you? I mean, first off, Dan, um, maps? What is this maps thing? We just like point ourselves in a direction here in New Zealand and I hack our way through the bush. Um, like God knows how I found my computer this morning. Um, but no, um, I've got a, a fully electric motorcycle. So um, I often have my iPhone mounted to my handlebars with route information on it. And um, while I wish I could actually use Apple Maps regularly because um, I prefer the cleaner interface and having a cleaner interface on a motor motorcycle really matters. Um, and also having the integration with my Apple Watch buzzing on my wrist when I'm riding. Um, the thing is, Google Maps is still more accurate here in New Zealand. Um, we are not California. But on the major routes, they're about equal. But on some of the minor stuff, especially when it comes to construction, um, Google Maps is just more reliable here. And so more often than not, I will have Google Maps on my motorcycle while I'm riding around. Uh, I was a Google Maps user for a long time. Um, Apple Maps obviously kind of had a lackluster launch back when Apple switched to it in iOS 6, I believe. 
I do think Apple's worked really hard over the past decade or so to improve it. And they've done it mostly quietly. Like they'll talk about it, you know, at WWC or something from time to time. But, you know, they've been careful not to go out there shouting from the rooftops about how great it is. That said, my experience in, in the Boston area where I live and when I've traveled is that the success rate in terms of it being able to accurately find places and give me the most effective route to getting there is roughly equal with Google Maps. I find they both screw up the, about the same amount of times. <laughs> Neither of them's perfect. But I end up using Apple Maps a lot, uh, especially for both walking and transit directions in my area, because I do think it provides better, you know, at least as good. And I think it also does have a like better interface. It is clearer and easier to understand a lot of times. Um, it does fall down on traffic for me. I think Google Maps still has better traffic information locally. Uh, so that's one place that I do often end up using it if I'm like driving at a certain time of busy day or something like that. Uh, that I will, you know, make sure to to use Google Maps instead. But I do Apple Maps has kind of become my default, so I'm I'm pretty pleased with where it is these days. Thank you all for your thoughts on that topic. Let's go to our final topic, which comes from Chris. Yeah, with the beta OS updates being out for a little while now, and the public beta is just coming out. What is your favorite feature in these new OSs, and what would you like to see improved over the rest of the summer? I have to say my favorite feature is the contact posters. That's what it is. Um, they've introduced a new way to sort of create uh, custom photography for each of your contacts. And so it'll take up the whole screen um, when you're calling or when you're being called uh, with this beautiful uh, photo that's got layering. Um, and then you can also share yours with other people. And I just I find it delightful. It's just another fun thing to go in and do. And it's a little bit of an expression of creativity without being too involved. So slowly but surely, I'm going in and making those for each of my contacts, which has been a lot of fun. Um, as far as what I'd like to see improved, there's one feature that I try to use regularly, but has continued to, uh, have issues and it is, um, interactive widgets on the lock screen, uh, particularly with the home app. Uh, right now what I have to do, cause I don't really use Siri for much of anything. Um, like I, I could shout out, you know, Hey, do this, but I don't, I, for some reason, I'm a person who likes to go on my phone and do it. I will like launch the home app and then go in and hit this button. But with, uh, the new setup, all I have to do is swipe to the right, which brings up the screen on the left from my lock screen. And there I've got these widgets to activate my most common scenes, but there've been a lot of uh, issues with them loading properly. So I'd just like to see them fix that more than anything else. I haven't had a whole lot of, I don't think I've had one springboard crash, uh, since I started, uh, with the betas. Um, Sarah, are you using the betas and, uh, what, what are your thoughts on on uh, the, the features that you like? And if you are using them, what would you improve? I feel like I'm the one exception to the crowd here, given I'm not reviewing any of the tech. But no, I haven't been using the betas um, because my devices are my work devices and I can't risk them having a fault due to a wonky beta. Though I am hearing, for the most part, um, they're pretty stable this year. But the thing that I'm particularly looking forward to is... Um, and this may come out of the left field a little bit, is um, FaceTime on my Apple TV. My partner and I um, are currently having to live separately just, just because of the arrangements. And we regularly FaceTime each other. It's it's sickeningly sweet. It's oh, just wow. like, it's, it's awful. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we do this on a regular basis. And 
I love the idea of being able to use um, FaceTime on the Apple TV with a continuity camera to my iPad so that I could just put the iPad down and I can look at the TV and I can talk to her um, on the TV rather than having to hold an iPad or an iPhone up for hours like a barbarian. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and that's, that's the thing I'm really looking forward to. Um, and I'm hoping that it's as seamless as um, continuity camera elsewhere. Um, I just feel weird saying that the big beta thing that I'm looking forward to um, turning up in the OS is an Apple TV app. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that entirely. Um, I think, geez, there's so many features I've looked forward to. Uh, the one that I'm going to pick the same one for both uh, Chris's question about which I'm most, I'm most excited about and which one I think needs a little bit of work. And that's standby on iOS, um, because that is a feature that I've enjoyed using in my kitchen. Um, so like when I'm cooking or washing dishes or something, I can pop the, uh, the iPhone into a little MagSafe kickstand that I bought. And it has that great like sideways view where it's got like your widget set up and you can choose different widgets to have on there. Um, and I think it's really, really cool. Like having that sort of large glanceable display, I kind of think of it like, like almost like CarPlay for around the house where it's like, oh man, I've got this great thing. I can, I can see it from across the room. I can see my now playing screen or I can see my timers and like all of that is really nice. There are a few little things that I find a little wonky about it. Um, for example, some of the live activities don't always come up automatically. And so you got to go over and press like this tiny little target in the middle of it to be like, oh, show me my timers or show me what's playing right now. Um, and then I definitely have some issues with its use of Siri in terms of uh, waking up and like listening it, because Siri now tries to listen more. Um, it will catch like audio if audio is being airplayed to say the home pod, it will start listening to that and try to execute queries based on that, which is annoying. Um, but I, I love the idea of sort of this interface that is meant to be used from far away and it's a really clever solution. So I'm hoping it gets a few more tweaks before it gets released, but I actually think this is going to be a, a really, really cool feature that a lot of people are going to like. Chris, why don't you wrap us up? Yeah, so the big reason why I asked this question was the last time I was on, it was a little bit before WWDC, and I asked, what all would you like to see at WWDC? And I said, stage manager improvements and Final Cut for the iPad. So I'm kind of like taking my victory <laughs> lap here. So, um, <laughs> But the my favorite feature that was that's in the beta OS updates is stage manager improvements. It's so good on iPadOS now. And I was somebody that is on the record as hating it in iPadOS 16. Uh, it 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 basically broke me over last summer uh but it is incredibly good now not only is it very stable but the changes that they made like being able to place windows wherever you want or more resizing options is really nice along with being able to shift click any app in the dock the strip app library and even spotlight to add it to the current stage is absolutely huge i'm i'm so thrilled with these i love them uh it's a big deal but of course the improvements i would like to see is also the stage manager Mm -hmm. because i i can never be completely happy um Uh, I would love to see more keyboard shortcuts for managing stages and especially windows in stages like 
One of my favorite things that I have set up on my Mac is I can com- hit command shift and then right or left arrow. And that takes a window and makes it 50% of the screen and shifts it either to the right side or the left side, depending on which arrow key I hit. And something like that on the iPad would be really handy for just quickly managing stages. All righty. With that, uh, we have reached nearly the end of this episode of Clockwise, but I do have a bonus topic for you. Uh, my question is, what is your favorite sport in which you participate? And if you don't have one, then what is your favorite physical activity? Sarah, we'll start with you. Uh, nowadays, um, I don't really do anything competitively, but I regularly swim. Um, most mornings I'm in the pool for uh, a half an hour to 45 minutes. I was a longtime Ultimate Frisbee player. I'm semi-retired, I guess. I haven't played in several years, mainly uh, the pandemic kind of and some injuries combined to make that harder. But I do love it. And I want to get back to it one of these days, hopefully in our local uh, Grand Masters League, which is the 40 plus <laughs> league, because I can't run after 19 <laughs> year olds anymore. I I don't do anything anymore. I used to be a competitive swimmer. As far as like physical activity stuff now, I you know, I'll go for runs and stuff, but honestly I hate it all. <laughs> Um, well, for me, uh, badminton is one of my favorite, uh, sports to play. I've never played it competitively, um, but I do very much enjoy it. Uh, if you'd like to get ad free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, and also to support the show, you can become a member of Clockwise. You just go to Relay.fm slash Clockwise and sign up. It's just $5 a month or $50 a year. And when you do, you'll get that warm, fuzzy feeling knowing that you are helping keep clockwise rolling along. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss apps we use for writing. With that, it is time to say goodbye. Uh, Sarah Bickerton, thank you so much for being here with us today. I know it's very early where you are. We appreciate your time and we will definitely be having you back, although we'll give you a good time uh, between then and now so you can rest. (laughs) Thanks so much, Micah. Yeah, given we're heading towards 5 a.m. here in New Zealand, I'm going to go back to bed now. And Christopher Lawley, thank you so much for joining us at what I'm sure is also a time that's interrupting your sleep. Yeah, it's 10 a.m. here, so I I, I need to go back to bed. I got at least another five hours before I should be up. (laughs) Ah, the life of YouTubers. Uh, (laughs) Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode, but of course, we'll be back next week. And until then, we remind you all out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.